0: Let me pray for us this morning as we jump in, God. We just we pray that that you would sink your word deep into our mind and deep in, into our heart, God. There are some of us here just with hard minds and hearts right now, just um, rejecting you, not wanting to follow you. Um, there are some of us here just kind of on the edge of. Want to just kind of give up, um, walk away? That the the journey's been too hard, or this or that pain is too much to carry. God, there there are some of us here uh, kind of, just, Father, truthfully, just been enticed by other things that that want to maybe jump ship and chase where. They're being promised life, but, but there's death. And so, God, I, I just I pray that you, you would take your word and you would just sink it right into our minds and our hearts and it would just, it would flourish, that, that we would see fruitfulness and life and return and, and, and all things good flowing out of coming under you and what you've said and trusting in you and what you've said and living accordingly God, thank you so much for your son that moves towards us, tells stories like this to engage us that we might, we might be transformed by your word. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. We're in Mark chapter 4 and we're in the part of the story where, you know, uh, Jesus is still up in the north, this is his hometown, Galilee area, and uh, there are these huge crowds that are gathering. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you, you'll want one. We're in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 4. And, and if you don't have a Bible, we actually have them on the ends of the pews. You can take one of those as a gift uh, with you today. And, and so Jesus, you know, he's, he's up north in his hometown, and all these crowds are gathering, and, and he's doing some miracles. He's doing teaching. And, and people are kind of responding in different ways. Uh, we read in the last chapter, his family is saying things like, He's crazy. He's out of his mind. We don't want a part with him. And so they're kind of walking away from him. And then, then like the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders of the time, they're like, man, I, we think this guy's got a devil in him and, and we don't want to follow anything he says. So uh, the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, uh, they're hitting the road too. And, and then you've got this crowd who's kind of following him and, and they're moving like an amoeba along with him wherever he goes. But, but out of that crowd, you've got these 12 disciples who are staying really close to him and, and they keep drawing closer to him. And then there's this crowd of about kind of 70 to 80 to 100 or so th- that are really kind of getting out of the crowd but, but a bit closer to Jesus to get to know him a bit more and decide, man, do we want to follow this guy or not? So, so we're, we're, we're in this part in Jesus' life where he's up north in his hometown and, and all these different reactions are occurring around him and his teaching. It's early in his ministry and, and then he tells this story, the parable of the sower. I just want to tell the story because I think we'll find ourselves in a lot of the soil of this story. And here it goes. Uh, Chapter four, verses one and two, the crowd is gathering. Jesus has now gotten out into a boat. It's so big. uh, Everyone is on the shore listening to his teaching. And verse three hits, and Jesus says, listen, behold. He's teaching in many parables. He says, listen, behold. It's an imperative. It's a command. He's like, Hey, listen up to what I'm going to tell you, Jesus said, and then behold, uh, uh, take a close look at it, observe, uh, get to know everything I'm about to say, Jesus says. He's like, uh, listen up, It's it's a command, a sower went out to sow. And now for them, this is just ordinary language. This is just ordinary life. It's an agrarian culture. So they understand, man, a a guy or gal is going to go through the field and and they're going to sow seed. They're going to throw it uh, this way or that and seed is going to land on the soil. They're going to till the soil up and and some will sprout up and be fruitful and and some will not. It's as as though kind of um, Jesus is taking something in their everyday life, kind of in an earthly kind of story to illustrate a heavenly life-changing truth. He's doing this over and over again. The the text says he's teaching in parables nonstop. And so he's taking and telling these earthly stories to illustrate a heavenly truth, normally with one main idea, which will transform our lives if we grasp it. It, It's as though Jesus kind of came in and he's like, all right, it's similar to when you posted on Instagram this week, Jesus would say, and no one responded to your post. Do you remember how you feel? And you'd be like, oh, yeah, (laughs) I'm with you, Jesus. Or he said, when you were walking with your uh, two kids in a stroller and, and you were walking with these other moms and, and their kids were acting perfectly and yours were throwing food and yelling at them. You remember that? And, and you'd say, oh my gosh, yes. And he's going to take this earthly moment, this earthly story which is going to draw us in to teach a heavenly truth which will change our lives. So he begins, there's a sower and uh, he's sowing seeds in a field. And as he sowed, verse 4 some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Uh, so right away, we, uh, we, we get the picture here. The sower uh, throws out some seed, and some hits this hard path, and, and immediately birds come and devour it. It's a pretty intense verb. And then there is um, other seed in verse 5. It fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no soil, it withered away. So there's this other seed. It falls on rocky soil. It's, it's super thin soil. And the, the parable, the story says there's no root. The roots don't grow deep. And so uh, when the sun comes up, it's just scorched and it's blown away. You got devoured, you got scorched. (laughs) And then there is other seed, verse 7. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no grain. So this other, the third seed, it, it lands among the weeds, among the thorns. And the thorns come up. It's so close to them. It's, uh, in a sense, so assimilated with them. They, they, it gets choked out and, and, again, doesn't produce or yield anything. And, and, they're, and, and they're all going kind of, by the way, after every seed, they're like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> I understand that, right? Like uh, the one with uh, no roots and no soil, it just, it, it can't live. And, and then, oh, yeah, the one that gets choked out by the, the weeds and the thorns. Yeah, we understand you, Jesus. We're with you. They're kind of leaning in a bit. And other seed, verse 8, fell into good soil. And this is what every sower wants and everybody wants to be, good soil And it produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears, which is all of us, let him hear, which is not all of us. 30, 60, (laughs) 100-fold. In ancient Palestine, uh, they kind of charted these things because uh, is an agrarian culture like I said uh, a seed if it's doing really well be four to eight times uh, per seed of uh, what it might produce uh, and if a, a whole field was doing really well that'd be about 30 times uh, of what uh, a seed might produce so uh, in this uh, they're hearing 30 60 100 and they're saying whoa what a harvest I mean, that is kind of like unreal stuff, what is happening here when the kingdom of God sprouts up. Prisoners smile. The lowly are cared for. Lives are transformed. Salvation comes, wow, kind of stuff. Praise God kind of stuff. Uh, But if you're like me, the first thing you're thinking of when you hear this parable is what? What soil am I? Oh shoot! Which soil am I? Right, you got—you got devoured. Don't want to be that soil when the seed gets devoured. You got scorched. You got choked out. (laughs) And then you got produced and yielding and good soil. See, the first thing you're thinking is, what kind of soil am I? And and Jesus is going to say, you know, I'm telling this parable. So you would ask that kind of question. And in a sense, uh, he, he, we would take the crowd. Jesus would take the crowd and telling this kind of parable. And he would sort us out, like the wheat and the tares in a sense. Right? Right? Like yeah, some would come closer to him and some would run away from him. Some would hear this parable but not hear and accept. Uh, some would hear and not understand and they might even turn and be forgiven. Like He quotes Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10 here. He says to those, uh, listen to who he's talking here though in verse 10, he says to those when he's alone who are around him and around the 12. So it's not even his closest inner group, right? Like the 12 are there, but, but those who are around probably that 70 or 80 or 90, those who have come out of the crowd because of this teaching, it's kind of confused them a little bit. They've gotten closer to him. He says to those around him, he says, you know, to to you, everyone who's listening to Jesus, explain this parable. To you, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given. But for those outside, everything is in parables. That was the crowd who was outside listening and confused, and now they've come in to ask more questions. Uh, Because the point of the parable, either in its clarity or in its confusion is that we might be a people who would draw closer to the storyteller. That we might be a people who would draw closer to the storyteller. And at first you read this and it sounds like some kind sort of like Gnostic knowledge, right? It's just for the elite. It's, it's only for those who get it. But what he's talking to is people who didn't just get it right off like that, like uh, this weird Gnostic knowledge just for the elite, but those who have said, I don't really get it, but I want to come closer to the guy who's telling the story. I don't fully understand it, but like in verse 10 it says, we want to ask him questions about what it means. That's just what the disciples do. That's just what this crowd that has left the crowd and now come in and closer to Jesus does. Uh, We see in verses 33 and 34 of chapter 4 here that this is kind of the pattern. Jesus will tell a story, and either in its clarity people will receive or reject his truth, or in its confusion... Some people will come close and some people will run away. In verse 33 it says, With many such parables Jesus spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. Who are his disciples? Anyone who chooses to come close and follow him. Everyone who's scratching their head saying, I don't quite get what you're saying, but I know who you are and I want to figure it out. You have the words of eternal life. I can't find them anywhere else. Uh, even in uh, chapter 7, verse 17, this is this same kind of thing occurs. He, he tells this parable. Jesus says, uh, uh, hey, it's not what uh, comes out of you makes you dirty, uh, but it's what's inside of us uh, that, that is the problem. He says that. And then, then his disciples are like, oh, my gosh. And in chapter 7, 17, he says, when Jesus has entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about this parable. It's not like they're like, oh, they hear it and boom, immediately understand. They just keep coming closer and closer to him in their confusion. Uh, Notice the opposite occurs even in the clarity of a parable, because sometimes that's just what a parable does. It it gets so clear uh, that that, that those around say, I either accept or reject this. Look what happens in chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and following, when Jesus tells another parable. I'm just going to read the parable and then the response. And Jesus, in chapter 12, verse 1, began to speak to them in parables. And he says this, A man planted a vineyard, thank God here, and, and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it out to tenants, and then that man went into another town. So you've got this guy who kind of creates this field with an amazing wine press and a tower. He's, you can tell he cares about it. And then uh, verse 2 of chapter 12. When the season came, time for harvest, right, he sent a servant to these tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took this servant and they beat him and sent him away empty-handed. But he again sent them another servant. The owner of the vineyard, the creator, sends them another servant. And then the tenant struck him on the head, treated him shamefully. And then the owner sends another and they killed him. And so with many others, some they beat, some they killed. And the owner, the creator, verse 6, he had still one other to send a beloved son and finally he sent the beloved son to them saying they will respect my son but those tenants said to one another this is the heir come let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours and they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard what will the owner of the vineyard do he will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others have you not read this scripture the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone this is the lord's doing it's marvelous in our eyes is it not and they were seeking to arrest him but feared the people this is the pharisees and the scribes speaking for they perceived what he had told the parable against them so they left him and they went away even in the clarity of the parable. Uh, this, the scribes and the Pharisees, those who had rejected Jesus, they, uh, they were going to hang him on a cross just a few days later after he told that parable. Uh, they say, we don't want anything to do with you. We see what you're saying and we actually are going to run away from you and we want you dead. The parable is told that we might draw closer to the storyteller, either in our confusion or in the clarity coming close to him to figure out life together with him. And if you're like me, uh, what you're trying to figure out right here is, man, which soil am I? Don't want to be devoured, don't want to be scorched, don't want to be choked out. I, I would love to be fruitful, to see the, 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 the joy of life and fruitfulness and in a sense production yield uh, come forth in my life. That's who, who I uh, want to be. Which soil am I? Uh, thankfully for us this week, uh, Jesus, while well, he preaches the parable for us, Uh, This crowd comes uh, close to him right here and they start asking him, hey, would you explain this to us? And he says, yes, I will. (laughs) So I'm just going to kind of preach his words on each of the parables and and give us a a moment to reflect on each that we might draw closer to the one who tells the story. So Jesus begins in verse 13 of chapter 4, and he said to them, don't you understand this parable? And they say, no, how, you know, that's why we are coming closer to you to figure it out. And how will you then understand all parables? And then he begins, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. There's this first seed, it's the one that hits the path. Think of, think of a, a, a golf cart path. If I'm playing golf and I hit it and it hits that path, it like boings right off. right? It, it, it's so hard and, and the seed hits the path. And, and, and because of the hardness of mind and hardness of heart, this person who either hears the good news of who Jesus is or, or hears a command in the scripture says, no thanks. Uh, it says, uh, I, I know and I, I kind of in my logic say that's wrong and I'm not going to accept it. Or or deep in my pain, I, I cannot accept what you say is true and, and you've never done anything good for me so why would I receive this from you is what is good news or what you say to do. Uh, I'll live my own way. And in that moment what we see is the eternal battle takes place and Satan comes and snags up that seed and takes it away, devoured it. And if hardness of heart We miss that opportunity for enjoying life. As Jesus says, just understand that we're forgiven and loved. Not because we're amazing, but because that's what the seed, the word says, it says you're forgiven and loved. You can be embraced by by the one true God who loves you and wants you and is chasing after you. Even sending the seed that you might hear, would you just receive and believe and see your whole life transformed and sprout with life and goodness. Your circumstance might not change, but your security will. A deep peace, an acknowledgement of being a son or daughter of the one true God. But in that moment, Satan comes and snags it up. Why is your heart hard? Maybe even as you you hear it, you say, well, that's the reason I don't love being uh, this whole Christian message. Why is your heart hard? Is it some sort of, man, I, I just don't believe what these words say, but you're not quite looked into them fully? Is it, is it like a logical reason or are you, you're smarter than that in a sense or I'm smarter than that? Is, is it a hurt in your life? Man, the pain so deep from something that occurred in the past. You're like, I don't want anything to do with a God like this who couldn't have helped me in that moment when he could have helped me. What is it for you? Here, here's what I would say in, in your hardness or heart and the hurt or the logic of the thing. Would you come closer to the storyteller with it? Uh, would you bring it to him in prayer? Would you say, look, this is where I'm hard in my mind or my heart right now. and And man, it would be amazing to... To know your forgiveness, your love, your embrace. To know I'm not alone. To know that you satisfy. To know that that, that there's good news in in being received as a son or daughter. It would be amazing to believe that, but I just don't. And would you bring that to him and see what he does with it? Or maybe it's an area of obedience, not just the gospel itself, but an area of obedience where he said, hey, do this or do that or don't do this or don't do that. And, and you say, man, I, I, I do want to do what you say I don't, uh, shouldn't do and I, I don't want to do what you say I should do, right? And just bring that hardness of heart. What is the reason behind the rejection? Come closer to the storyteller. Uh, the second seed that's talked about here is the verses 16 and 17, right after the first says, And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. They have no root in themselves, but they endure for a while. Then, when tribulations or persecutions arise on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Uh, do you see what uh, Jesus talks about with like the second seed that, that falls on rocky ground? It's real thin soil. It's this thin soil with no deep roots, and, and when there's no roots and you, you add that to a trial, what you get is falling away. It says, if, if we don't have deep roots and deep soil, man, when the trials of this world come, it's going to blow us right over, we will be scorched and wither. Even, even the little stuff becomes huge stuff. Uh, this friend of mine, his, his name was Johnny, uh, years back, in and that was actually his name. Uh, sometimes a preacher will say, like, he was Johnny. I don't know why Johnny always gets a bad rap, but this guy's name was actually Johnny. And, and he had a sinus infection. And then it didn't go away. And he had just become a new believer in Jesus. And he's just, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And he, there was great joy in his life, right? He sprung right up, right? And, and, but then he said, but this isn't what I signed up for. Like, why am I still struggling with this in my life if he loves me? And what he did is he, he went away from the Lord. He, he went, when trial came and when there was a lack of soil and depth of root, it, it fell apart. And, and what's crazy here is, is actually in the passage it says, when we decide to follow Jesus, it's actually sometimes because of the word that life begins falling apart. Because we say we want to follow him, marriage gets harder. Because we say we want to follow him, uh, the workplace gets more antagonistic to us. Uh, Because we say we want to follow him, uh, life may end up like Peter does, hanging upside down on a cross who writes this gospel along with John Mark. Uh, You know, I know Johnny, but, but I also know this other family. They had two little kids, and they're serving the Lord like crazy. And then their six-year-old died. Their six-year-old died. And I'll tell you what, they kind of had some deep soil and deep roots before, but then when they kept going closer and closer to the storyteller, closer and closer to the God who loves them, and was writing a really hard story through their life, redeeming the brokenness, and when they kept, I want to say walking towards him, but when they kept crawling towards him, their roots went deeper and deeper and deeper. Their soil got richer and richer and richer. They say, they they would tell you now, if you talk with them, we didn't, if we could take it back, man, we would take it back. We would still have our son whom we deeply love. But they would also share the depth of where the Lord had met him over these past five years. Go closer to the storyteller. Where do you find yourself in Rocky Ground? Where, where are you? Hurting, because this, this soil, it says, if I want to experience, I didn't sign up in a sense to experience this tough life. But where do you need to kind of take that tough, that suffering to the Lord right now? Where do you need to meet Him and move towards Him rather than run away from Him in it? You're in rocky soil, but man, you need to go close to Him, that He might sink your roots deeper. Make your soil richer. Where where do you need to take that to him right now? Where's it hurt? Uh, the sir, third soil is others who are sown among thorns, among thorns. I like that in proximity to the weeds. And they are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, the desires of other things, enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. See here. Here we have this seed that hits uh, among the thorns or the weeds, and it comes up and it it chokes them out. That uh, the proximity has become assimilation. That that uh, here we we've taken this idea of I I want to live for Jesus or I want to follow Him or obey Him, but but then we say, but that looks pretty good. Like the previous uh, the previous soil and seed, it's it's like man, life is hard, and and in order to decrease my pain, I'm out of here. I'm not going to follow Jesus anymore, or or, or I'm not. Gonna and obey him in this or that, right? Like uh, we want to decrease our pain in, in rocky soil, but th- this one where we're sown among the thorns, of the weeds, here we're saying, I want to increase my pleasure, right? Like it's this or that shiny thing that's going to give me life. More money is going to bring security. And what, what this verb is just, just as rough as the others. We are choked out. We're scorched or devoured. Here we're choked Death, the same kind of thing, no fruitfulness. I uh, I love steak. I mean, I, I cook a lot of steak, and I, I I think I do a good job. This one time, we were having this new family order to church a few years back. And so I'm like, I'm going to cook some steak. But, you know, we're like, well, we're going to chance a little bit on the steak. So we bought some tougher meat, you know. And So I cook this steak up. Well, I cook it, and I look over. Literally, this is this is... <laughs> You don't want this to happen in your home, especially when you're a pastor with a new family over to visit. You're like, I'm thinking this is going to be a great meal, right? And, and so I look over, and dude is literally going. And at first I'm like, oh, dang, he's keeps choking, right? And hey, he's going to cough this up. And it keeps going. And then his wife is like, hey, are you okay? And he can't answer. And so she runs over and starts giving the Heimlich to him. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm not making this up. And then it's not working. So my wife's an ER nurse. She runs over. She starts hitting him. But my wife is tiny, you know. So, like, so then I'm like, "Yeah," you know. And I come over. And we're about 30 seconds to this point. And that's a long time to not breathe, to choke. And so I'm, I mean, I'm hitting him, hitting him, hitting him with a hind leg. Finally, a little piece comes out, and there's a little bit of respite. But then he goes to choking again, and then I'm hitting him, hitting him again, and then a large piece comes out. It was nasty, but he could breathe again. Choking. See, here's what we lose sight of. This stuff is life or death. For real, life or death. Life or death now, living according to the words of God, and life or death for all of eternity. And Jesus is like, if you choose to live for other things, for riches or or, or prestige or power or this relationship or that, or to have your kids kind of be like this or to have your job be like that or to have your relationships look, or to have the right education or whatever, whatever you are seeking in an ultimate kind of way, it will lead to death. You'll sense it now a little bit, but then it will happen eternally. You see, the the CEO of Bed, Bath & Beyond leapt from his condo in New York last month, leapt from how many stories up to find his death on the ground. Now, I don't know his whole backstory, but but I do know things were kind of starting to fall apart with Bed, Bath & Beyond, and everything he had built his life on was then crumbling as he had become a new CEO the past few years back, and... And he couldn't turn around. Maybe it's because he, he knew he won not enough or he knew he had cheated this way or that way. I don't know. I don't know. But here's what I'll tell you. If you're living for anything else, you're tasting a bit of that death right now. And for all eternity, it will be yours. But, but God says, man, would you come close to Jesus and the good news of the gospel, which you are forgiven and embraced And your deepest longings are met in the Savior. There's no other place. What do you want? What's enticing to you right now? Where are you thinking, if I could just have this or that, if this or that could just be reality in my life, then I would have life. What are you seeking? Would you come close to the storyteller in that with those real honest desires? Here's what he's not going to do. Oh, shame you for not understanding. That's not what our Savior does. He says, come on in. He beckons you in. He beckons me in by grace. He says, I'll give you life and life to the full. And then the last soil is found in verse 20. It's good soil. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. He says, if you would turn... And in terms of the word of God is the gospel. If you would turn to Jesus, you'd be forgiven and embraced. You know, I'll sometimes explain the good news of the gospel that, that, that hits on good soil simply, sorry, we'll get there in a second, as this. In a relational way, John 1.12, these are just three different ways to explain the good news of the gospel. In a relational way, Jesus says, those who received him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That is good news. <laughs> it's good, good news. It's not if you could just be better or hold on more or, or, or fight through that trial or, or, or do this or do that to make yourself more moral or better. He said, if you would simply receive the good news of the gospel, you'd become a child of God. Embrace loved, cared for. That's relational good news. How, how about this one? Good or bad news, right? This is for uh, the legalist uh, who's trying to be good enough and, and live up. Or, or the, the licentious who's saying, oh, forget you, God. I'll live my own way. Uh, how about this is the gospel for good news? There, well, there's, uh, the wages of sin is death. First really bad news, Romans six twenty three. The wages of sin is death. Bad news. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord man good news he pays the debt for us he pays with his debt that that we could be uh, welcomed in as sons and daughters debt paid you could never do enough legalist to to make up for your debt Uh, you licentious you've done so much you know how guilty you are and Jesus says guess what I'll pay the debt for you I'll pay it for you good news bad news gospel how about this one? Life gospel. Uh, Jesus says, "I am uh, the, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. He says, you, you have everything, but you don't feel satisfied? Jesus is like, you're looking in the wrong places. Hey, not everything's going the way you want to in your life. You, you don't feel embraced or loved or cared for. Hey, you're looking in the wrong places. Jesus keeps saying, I am the way, the truth, and life come to me. It's good news. It's good news. I got to go um, apple picking this weekend. That's me holding up broke. She was loving it. And there we are. We all look happy, but Jill, I don't know what she's doing in the middle there. (laughs) It was a blast. It was an absolute blast. Yeah, you had the normal amount of whining. I mean, it's like, oh, it's not fun. I don't want to go apple picking, you know, the walking. But then we got to, we got to picking the apples and having a blast out there. Uh, and, and you know how an apple works, don't you? This is one the cameo apples. Right in there. You got these little seeds. <laughs> and, and row after row after row of apple tree in this apple orchard. Laurel Land Farm, you should go. It was just an absolute blast. And, and fruitfulness and, and life itself coming out of these seeds, growing these trees. And, and, and we're just enjoying being out there in the goodness of God together, the mess that we are as a family, eating apple after apple. We pay for it. It's like $75 a bag or something. It's <laughs> totally worth it. And here's what Jesus says. He says this in John 12. As he's heading towards his death, and people are deciding, do I want to follow him or not, man? Do I want to follow him or not? And he says this in John chapter 12. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life will lose it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. He says, come a bit closer. Uh, He's like the seed who dies in the soil that he might bear fruit. He says, come a bit closer. If you're suffering right now, he says, bring that suffering to me. I was the one who was broken for you and suffering that you might have life. And even in that, even what feels like death right now, that suffering, he's like, I, I want to bring out about fruitfulness of knowing that you're not alone in it. And he's doing something to deepen your roots in it. In your hardness of heart, he says, I I know why your heart, your mind is heart right now. He says, would you bring that to me? I was broken for you that you could become a son or a daughter. He says, come closer. Or if you're thinking, man, I I just think I'm going to find life in my job or I'm going to find life fully in my family or my marriage or or this or that. I'm going to find full life there. He says, no, you won't. You'll find it in him alone. And he'll bring everything else to life in fruitfulness. He's like the seed that died and sprung forth a mighty harvest for us. So if you're trusting in him this morning, would you... Would you be reminded of his deep love for you, that he's died for you? See, this is the reason we reject his word, right? We, we think, man, I can't trust him or I don't love him enough. And he says, man, would you look at the cross? You can trust me. He says, I gave my whole life for you. And, and look at the depth of my love for you. He says, I died on that cross for you. You can trust my word. You can trust me with every piece of it. Would you receive the good news and would you obey every aspect of it? But if you're not trusting this morning, If you're not yet trusting in Him, would you place your trust there this morning? Would you just say, look, I don't know what's going on in my life, but I know it ain't working. And would you hand yourself over to Him? Would you trust in Him? Would you say, you want to figure out His words. You want to follow Him. And we receive His life, His death, and resurrection as your own this morning. Let's take and remember that we have... a. And the amazing sower who became a seed and died to give us life resurrects to walk with us now in fruitfulness as we obey him in every step of the way. Let's take and eat together.